This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're going to end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we'll find out the three things that Americans think define wealth without requiring money with financial wellness expert and author, Miranda Marquette. Also joining the discussion is someone who makes all of our lives richer just by being in it. Oh, barf. It's Paula Pant. And finally, we've got the guy who invented the Apple Watch. Oh, Oh, no, wait. Sorry, I read that wrong. It's the guy who invented the sundial. It's Glenn Penzo! But that's not all. Halfway through the show, I'll share some buoyant trivia questions. And now a guy whose favorite genre of music is yacht rock. It's Joe Salcihai. Hey, everybody. I, uh, I, I'm really not a yacht rock fan. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to Friday. I'm truly not a Yacht Rock fan, but welcome to Friday anyway. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, you're going to like this. Isn't that a Yacht Rock song, Doug? Oh, absolutely it is. That's that's way up there. Isn't that, that the Yacht Rock song? Dan and John Ford Coley. And, oh, good music. <laughs> good music. <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to Yacht Rock Friday. We're so happy you're here. We've got uh, quite a panel, as you heard Doug so eloquently say at the top of the show. So sit back, relax. We're going to talk about really feeling richer as much as being rich. How do we have a more rich life? Well, let's start deep under Los Angeles where Mr. Len Penzo is having a deep, uh, no natural sunlight life. (laughs) (laughs) Is that correct? I was wondering. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could say that right now. You know, right now my brain's spinning because Doug brought up uh, England, Dan and John Ford Coley and I. I can never really figure out, is that three guys or two guys or f- six guys? I, I really don't know. So how, how many is that, Doug? It's two. I don't know. England, Dan. Is it? England, Dan. One guy. Oh, it's not. Just like. Okay, so it's not England, yeah, Dan. Like your Bunker Len. He's England, Dan. <laughs> okay. And then John Ford Coley. Okay. Joe Salcihai. I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah. Very good. Okay. 
England Bill Dan Brand. and Joe Saul Seahigh. There yeah, it I like is. That. Yes. And the woman who I hope is going to save us from all this, <laughs> skying way above Manhattan, it's Paula Pant who's here. <laughs> well, I, I can't really name any musical celebrities, but I do actually enjoy Yacht Rock. It's, uh, it is a preferred oh, genre. Oh. <laughs> You know, my problem was, was that to pay my way through college, I played a bunch of parties as a DJ and you'd have to play this stuff at 120 decibels. And I just, after hearing Baker Street at 120 <laughs> decibels. Did you play that song? I just don't want to <laughs> so I love that song. I got to say, that's such a good song. Oh, oh. See, I can pick them. We have people over for game night and I have a mix that has a lot of yacht rock on it because I know people love it. And so I will play it. And then Spotify thinks I like it. So when Spotify <laughs> does Discover Weekly, it serves me up. I have friends. Doesn't mean I like any of this. <laughs> yes. But somebody who I do like very much, and I'm super happy she's back with us. How about that? Huh? Oh, nice Randa Marquardt is back. Well, hello. Nice segue. How are you? I am fine. No, I, I actually got to go to a Goo Goo Dolls concert. So I think that is the opposite of Yacht Rock. And so... Total opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite of I Yacht love, Rock. I saw them in concert too. I've seen them in oh, concert. So fantastic. The, the music of my youth and the music of Len's middle age. Easy now, Miranda. Easy. <laughs> Shot fire. Len is one of my oldest oldest uh, financial friends. I was oh. I was going to say, I, I'm giving you, cutting you slack because we've been friends for so long, Miranda. That, that yes. wasn't the reference to oldest, Len. I think you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she would have said longest friends. <laughs> <laughs> that too, that too. I mean, we did share that cab that one time. Yes, we did. Miranda, I know it's a busy time of year for you with the Plutus Awards, with the Plutus Summit as we're getting ready to record this. Uh, we got FinCon coming up. So what's happening over at MirandaMarkwood.com, Miranda? Well, somebody called out the fact that I haven't posted as much as I should be. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're still working on that. But I'm super excited because I do have some fun stuff coming up. We are transitioning into doing some workshop kind of things and uh, very excited about that because a lot of people have been asking me, and, and this probably ties into our show today, but a lot of people have been asking me since I was gone half this summer, how do I get to travel so much? Um, how did mm. I manage to just pick up and go to China? And what are the kind of resources that we have there? So right now we're kind of working on trying to figure out how to make that information available to people and work on putting some workshops out there and letting people know how they can use their finances you know, the money that they do have, direct those resources in a way that they want and in a way that makes their life a little bit more enjoyable. That is exactly where we're going today. And one more thing, you're also on The Money Show with Stacey Johnson. Yeah. So we uh, are on the Money Talks News podcast. So super excited about that. We are going to be doing some dives into some of your favorite or maybe not so favorite financial gurus. We're actually uh, going to be talking a little bit about Dave Ramsey, about Susie Orman, about oh, Robert Kiyosaki. Oh, we, just got, we just got the list and we're going to be doing some dives into that. And so I'm super excited about this kind of mini series that we'll be doing and having different folks on to talk about you know, what it is about their advice that people like, what does it resonate with them, what are some things that maybe they could do a little bit better and kind of go from there. And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> if anybody, Miranda, knows your co-host, Stacey, he'll probably hold back a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. About yeah, yeah. He'll be holding <laughs> back a lot. Uh, so we've, we've picked a whole list of Stacey's favorite people. Uh, so it's going to be amazing. <laughs> hey, hey, Miranda, does, does Stacey, does he feel threatened by you? Because I, I see your, your trophy back there on the uh, bookshelf. <laughs> and... Uh, 
you know, compared to what Stacy's got, you know, I think uh, he'd be feel a little threatened. Stacy has two Emmys. Stacy's going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> and for people that missed that episode of Stacking Benjamins, when Stacy came on and had the two Emmys, we pointed it out. So the next time Len and I put our Plutus awards behind us, Miranda, like you've got yours. <laughs> and uh, while I'm very proud of my Plutus awards, they, they don't look the same as Emmys. We're like, Oh, those things. Oh. Yeah. You know, real quick. You know what we need to do? We need to get one of those fake Emmys. I wonder if they make fake Emmys, Ooh. like real life size ones. I mean, oh, I got, like, Miranda, a... you can do it. Get like three of them and you can put them behind you and then you'll have them outnumbered. It's there. like that little time magazine thing, right? Get your little, Get get a little magazine cover, get a fake Emmy, Ooh. might as well get a yes. fake Oscar while you're at it. We should totally, d- don't share that with him next time, next time that he comes on Stacking Benjamins, Miranda's co-host, we're going to, we're going to get everybody these fake Emmys and put them all behind us. Okay. <laughs> Paul's on the verge of probably getting some sort of Emmy or amazing award anytime soon. So we know that. Wow. So. Well, everybody's wondering who the heck Stacey Johnson is now, what that show's all about. So we'll pause for just a second <laughs> let people look that up. Hold on. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. If you don't know how to spell Stacy, it's S-T-A-C-Y, right? There, that's what you're getting wrong, so hold on a second. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money, and it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Now they got it. Miranda Marquitz here, Paula Pants here, Len Penzo, neighbor Doug. Let's talk about feeling wealthy. Our piece today comes to us from CNBC, and it is written by Cameron McNair. 
And uh, Cameron writes, what makes you assume someone is wealthy? An outfit dripping with designer labels might be an indicator. Perhaps you have an eye for someone stealthily displaying their wealth in muted but expensive clothes. The things Americans say would make them feel wealthy, however, don't necessarily come with a price tag. I want to stop there before we go on. Paula, do you remember a time when you uh, met somebody, the first time maybe you met somebody and you didn't think they were wealthy and then you found out later because they didn't do what it says in this piece. They didn't have any ostentatious display of wealth. And then you realize you're talking to somebody who's loaded. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of the people in the fire community and in the personal finance community in general are like that. So you go to FinCon, you go to Camp Fi, you go to all of these meetups and you talk to people. And I mean, people represent a wide spectrum of different uh, net worths and different income levels. But there's, you know, certainly at the top range of that or at a very high range of that, you know, I, what's the sixth sense quote? Like, I see rich people walking around like everyday people. <laughs> I see rich people. <laughs> yes. But I'm talking about when you're young, like my neighbor, my neighbor was a farmer, worked all day on tractors and in the field and with uh, livestock. And I remember the first time, I don't even remember what it was. He said something, maybe my dad said something. He's like, no, Rob, this is a guy that made me call him Rob. No, Rob has significant assets, like significant. And that was maybe at 14 years old, 15 years old, the first time I realized that the person that looks wealthy mm. isn't necessarily that. Miranda, do you remember somebody growing up like that at all? Um, Not really. <laughs> no, okay, uh, great. Thanks for participating. No. Hi, Miranda Markwood, everybody. <laughs> no, so my problem is, is I grew up in a town that houses Idaho's only billionaire. And so we knew that man was wealthy because he wanted to make sure we all did. So like it was the exact opposite. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, and he wanted to make sure at school, he wanted to make sure that like his kids and his stepkids, I was friends with one of his stepchildren. He wanted to make sure that all of them looked like they were associated with him appropriately. And he wanted to make sure his ex-wives all had, you know, you know, his the, the white lifestyle to which they should be accustomed as being the former. Yeah. He's got, he's not his like third wife or something. I don't know. So mine was kind of the opposite of that because I grew up in this community that is very, very middle class in every sense of the word. And then there's this guy that's Idaho's only billionaire and he wanted to make sure everybody knew it. So here we I are. Remember, <laughs> I remember how it's, it's funny. It seems as I get older, Len, that America's turning into other countries. I remember Bono from the band U2 describing once when I was maybe, I don't know, I was maybe 14 or 15 years old saying the difference in the United States and Ireland at that time was that in the United States, you would walk, you see this house on the hill, like Miranda's describing this beautiful house on the hill. And in the United States, you go, you know what? Someday I'm going to be that person. He said in Ireland, you go by the same house on the hill and you go, you know what? Someday I'm going to get that. <laughs> and I feel like, <laughs> and I feel like it's kind of changing. Like the world is, world's changing a lot. But do you remember, do you remember somebody without the, the millionaire next door, so to speak? Yeah. Well, I've known several people who are very wealthy and you would never know it. They drive modest cars. They live in a modest home. I know one who's got double digit millions and he lives just as modestly. You would never know it. You would never know it. And you know, what's interesting is I tried to teach this to my kids. My kids used to think that they'd see somebody driving around in a fancy car or living in this huge home and they think they were not automatically wealthy. It's the absolute opposite. And they were, they were in debt up to their eyeballs. 
And so it goes both ways, yeah. actually. You can, you can live um, anonymously rich and you can be poor and, but you know, what's the word? Uh, I, I think Paul used the word ostentatiously poor in reverse. So, uh, you know, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, and it's funny because, you know, even though Miranda's, uh, the guy in Miranda's town looked rich, it doesn't mean that you necessarily live a rich life, right? I think if you spend a lot of time trying to look wealthy, it doesn't help you enjoy life. So let's go over these three things that help people feel a wealthy life, feel like they have more. We're going to start off with the one, guys, that is, uh, the, the first one on here just feels so cliche. Uh, so we'll we'll get this one out of the way first because the last two, I think, are a little more interesting. Enjoying experiences over owning nice things. I feel like we've been saying that a lot the last, uh, what, 12, 13 years we've had a podcast. But still, Paula, it doesn't change the fact that going and doing things, being in nice places that maybe you've never experienced before or having fun out and about truly makes a life feel richer. Absolutely. And there's research to back this up. So this is not just idle speculation. There are a number of different studies performed by psychologists who have actually found that happiness levels have a higher correlation to experiences than they do to um, belongings. And part of the reason, at least in the papers that are written about this, the academic journals, where they have to, in the section of the paper where they have to kind of hypothesize on what some of those reasons might be, one idea is that memories are subject to nostalgia bias. So you don't remember the long line at Disney World. You remember the smile on your kid's face, right? You don't remember the time that your kid dropped the ice cream cone and threw a tantrum. You remember like the joyful moments because those are the moments that you took photos of. And those are the, mem- the moments that 20 years ago, you know, you or 20 years in the future, you recall. Like a good fondly. stock they appreciate. Exactly, exactly. Whereas yeah. items depreciate. I remember as you're talking, like thinking about this trip I took with my kids to Disney when they were maybe, I don't know, seven years old. And I remember going around this corner, seeing Cinderella's palace for the first time. Mm. And my twins at seven, we left the hotel a little bit late. We're on one of the Disney buses. We turn the corner, we see Cinderella's palace. My daughter and son lose it on the bus. And it's us and a bunch of senior citizens who are going late. And I just remember how great that was. Mm. Just Mom, it's Cinderella's castle. It's Cinderella, and all the old people on the on the thing are laughing and loving it. It was truly one woman even leans forward and goes, "This is like you're in a Disney commercial. Like Disney should have had had cameras oh. and just can we use that? And you know, got a release from us because it was so selling what they're trying to sell. But I'm sure on that trip, mm. my kids probably begged for stuff at every gift shop and and uh, you know mm-hmm. got tired and cranky. But I don't remember any of that. That's super interesting. A problem that we see though, Miranda, is that a lot of the time we think about these experiences. I just mentioned Disney. They take 16 bags of money. So for a lot of people, I think they're like, well, Joe, that's really nice for you, but how do we make these everyday things be experiences that make a richer life? Yeah. I think that's a really thing, something to think about because like you said, we all can't just magic our way to the magic kingdom. One of the things that I like is, um, building community around where I live. And that's been really key for me is building community where I live. In fact, last night, the night before we're recording this. um, Is that the definition of last night, by the way, the night before this one? (laughs) The night before this one, the night before we're recording. (laughs) I just want to make sure we got the definition correct that the night before this one truly is last night. (laughs) It truly was last night. I mean, (laughs) it's fun. Anyway, I always worry, I'm like, do we have a date on this? Do I need to (sighs) try? 
You know, it's it's hard when we're pre-recording. But no, um, first of all, the nice thing about living in a low cost of area living place like Idaho Falls is a $12 bottomless mimosas. Oh, so wow. I want you guys to just, yeah, I just want you guys to take that in for a moment. After doing $12 bottomless mimosas, so 12 bucks, some friends were like, let's hang out some more. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I feel like I want to be home and be cozy. I feel like and I so can't walk. Over. That's what I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. It takes more than just a few mimosas. <laughs> but no, we came over and we had some zucchini from the garden and some cherry tomatoes from the garden. And I had some rosemary that I had harvested. And we just whipped some of that up with a little olive oil, tossed it in the oven and broiled it. And then we just sat down and we had this like impromptu harvest dinner and we just chatted. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that these everyday moments are also those kinds of memories, like what you and Paula were talking about, that kind of appreciate in our minds and kind of things that we remember. Because you know, remember sitting down, remember those feelings of contentment that you have. So when you're building a good community and when you have the ability to sit down with people that you love, I think that makes a huge difference to what you want to do. And and for me as well, because I'm an outdoors person and I live in a, a state where I have access to the outdoors, my experiences are limitless in terms of low cost. So yeah, getting it's out, really just thinking getting about- out hiking. Yeah, hiking, camping, floating down the river, all of those things. And so I think, too, we forget that nature is also very healing, a very great place to be, and it's free. And so I think that helps as well. But if you do want to do those big things, like some of us do want to do those big vacations and go to Disney and travel the world, and so it requires some planning. So then you do have to take a step back and say, okay, let's make some good memories while I'm saving my money to do these other things. That's fabulous. It reminds me of a... um who was the person, Doug, who said that the like the real life is what happens between the big things? I don't remember. It was some director. Might have been Woody Allen. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for participating. <laughs> Glad I could help. I, I, I'm still puzzled over Miranda. What is this floating down rivers that you're talking about? Where I live, we we uh, skateboard down the rivers. Right. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Is there water in your rivers? Yes. They're not just concrete canals, empty canals. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's wonderful. Come visit. We'll go on a float trip. Are there fish in your rivers? There are fish. In our, and you can eat them too. <laughs> really? Yes, they're not polluted. <laughs> wow. Yes, you can eat them too. You can catch them and eat them. Idaho is the trout capital of the world. Come have some trout. Lens River is the syringe capital of the world. Lynn <laughs> is stealing water from the Colorado River and, and he lives in a place that's just sucking the life out of the Colorado River Valley is what Len is doing. That is Len's mission statement, sucking the life out of the Colorado River one day at a time. But before we actually get to you, Len, because I do want to bring you into this, Paula, we were talking about that. We recorded Afford Anything today, and Miranda's talking about making mm-hmm. communities. Most of us don't look in our backyard, that just the people around us, we're so busy online, we're so busy taking care of number one, we don't look for a community like you've got friends in the building you live in. Right, Exactly. Part of the reason that I uh, have chosen to stay in the building where I live is because I've got two good friends who both live in the same building. That's so rare and so valuable, right? To know that I've got buddies who both live literally under the same roof. And sure, sometimes I won't see them for weeks. Like sometimes we'll be busy or we'll have different travel schedules. But I know that at any point I can text one of them and be like, hey, do you have laundry soap? Cool. I'll swing by and grab some. 
you've got that kind of relationship. Well, Len, it's funny because a lot of time when people retire, what do they do? One of the first things they do is they, they move, they go, if their kids live in a different area, they'll go over there. They will move to the mountains or they move to some other area of the country. I have two friends that just purchased vacation homes. I never see them anymore. And I feel like when you do some of these things that we do, you know, with our money, we begin to isolate ourselves in retirement. Do you see that with people around you retiring that they, they, they take, I feel like we don't think enough about the community in our backyard. I'm sure a lot of people don't. I know I do. I have other retired friends. Most have stayed where they're at. I do have my best friend though. He did as soon as when he retired, he ended up buying another home and he's enjoying himself. So I guess it all depends on what you like. Um, I, I'm a homebody myself. I'm, I ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I plan on dying in this house. So, uh, you know, and I, I enjoy where I live. We're, um, I've got my neighbors, there's community there and you know, it's, it's just what, what you like in life. There's, you know, different strokes for different folks. What would you say, Paula, to people say they never have time. They don't have enough time for these experiences that we're talking about. I'm too busy trying to make the Benjamins to put together these experiences. Mm, I mean, that's rough. Because time is, you know, there's no point in being rich in money if you're poor in time, particularly if you're chronically poor in time. Sometimes you might be episodically or seasonally poor in time. But to be chronically poor in time is uh, an issue that needs addressing. The first thing I would say to somebody is document, you know, track every single minute of your day in 15-minute increments. Laura Vanderkam, the time management expert, she does a great job of kind of teaching people about time tracking and the importance of it, because it isn't until you track your time that you can see the inefficiencies and you can figure out where to claw back a few hours. But the other piece of it is, you know, ruthless prioritization, right? What are the few key things that matter most? Miranda, one last question on this topic. How were you able to take the big trip to, I mean, I mean, just, just peeling off to go to China is a, is a big move. That's a big experience that you'll never forget. Yeah, for sure. And part of it goes with that prioritization that Paul's talking about. I have long been a big fan of making sure, hey, what are my priorities? What matters most to me? How do I put myself in a position to take advantage of opportunities when they come in their way? And I am lucky because I am relatively rich in time just because of my the nature of my freelance work. I don't have to sit down and be at a job. I don't have to have a specific schedule. And so that gives me a little bit more time freedom but I've spent the last more than a decade consciously and intentionally moving toward this point, right? I, I didn't wake up one day and be like, oh, hey, this is available now. I took steps over time to say, okay, how do I manage my life? Part of that was my son is now an adult. Hey, I, I, I raise an adult human, everybody, but, um, <laughs> but my son is an adult. And so that frees up some of my time. And part of what I did was make sure that, you know, he is a self-sufficient young man who I am helping him as he goes through school. But for the most part on the day to day, he doesn't need me around to do stuff and making investments, investing my money, making sure that I have the, the financial resources available. We had to kind of pay out the nose to expedite our visas mm. to get to China. Like <laughs> there was a oh, whole process there interesting. and we paid extra for a, for a service to help us get the visas done, expedite mm. the process and make sure that they came in on time. But 
that it requires me saying 10 years ago, start saying like, okay, what do I need to do to free up more of my time? What steps do I need to take? Where do I need to invest my financial resources? How do I start positioning myself and taking these steps a little bit at a time so that I get to this point? Because there's no way I would have been able to do this five years ago. Well, I really like Miranda, what you're saying here, which is really you and Paula singing off the same timesheet that, you know, as I listen to the two of you, even sometimes more important than working for money, working for time freedom, which gives you this ability for a richer life, maybe in some ways more important. I mean, don't get me wrong. You got to pay the basic bills, but if you can design a life where you've got time freedom, that is a huge, huge, huge win. Hey, real quick, Joe, before you're talking about time freedom. So if you're in the working world, I'll give you the, from the corporate perspective, you can still do that even if you're working actually. And that's not biting off more than you can chew and trying to keep your life balanced. So uh, you don't sign up for more than um, you really want to. I, I know a lot of fast chargers in the corporate world. You know, it's a decision. It's a conscious decision you have to make. If you want to be a fast charger, you're going to give up your free time. But there is a balance there where you don't have to go all the way to the top and you can still provide yourself with enough free time to have both, but you got to be smart about it. We're going to go there next. Uh, work-life balance is another one on this list. So we'll talk about how do you get that that balance, especially Len, to your point, when somebody else is, you know, your boss, when you're not, not the, the boss of your own time. There's also another one on this list that is really good, not comparing yourself to others, which uh, I think takes some emotional, some EQ, you know, there's IQ and EQ, but if you've got that emotional competency to do that, that's amazing. We'll talk about getting that, but before we get there, we have, if you're new to the Stacky Benjamin Show, a year-long competition between Paula, Len, and OG. And Miranda, today you're playing on behalf of OG in our trivia competition for the world's worst trophy that we bought at the dollar store. Super, super, oh, super big, uh, big, exciting trophy that's going home with someone. And Miranda, it is really a big time for you to be here because this thing is close. I'm sorry, do, OG. Do you want? I'm the, so sorry, OG. I'm I'm just gonna be sorry. <laughs> do you want the good news or the bad news, Miranda? Uh, well, I mean, the bad news for OG is that we're doing this. And then uh, the even worse news for me is that next time I see OG in person, he'll hate me now. Uh, number one, I seriously doubt it. And number two is you will never know because he'll have the same look on his face say, either way. I how could you ever tell? <laughs> right. Right. I've been good friends with him for decades and I'm pretty sure he hates me. Yep. So oh, yeah. there you go. But do you want the good news or the bad news, Miranda? All right. Give give me the bad news first. All right. The bad news, which is also kind of the good news, is you're in last place. So there's really no pressure. Oh, OG oh, is never in last place <laughs> until this year. He has 11. Paula Pant has 12. Wait, wait is this is this, <laughs> oh, is this real? Paula is in second place with 12. And Len surged ahead last week to 13. So they are in a neat little row. As we, uh, we got about two and a half months left. So, uh, we need a trivia question though, Doug. So what's on tap this week, my friend? Well, Joe, I keep hearing you should dress for the job you want. So I finally did just that. I went out and got myself a brand new pair of Sperry topsiders, some khakis, navy blue polo shirt, and a jaunty little captain's hat, just like that stud, the skipper on Gilligan's Island. I've already updated my LinkedIn with a new profile photo, hopefully. Jeff Bezos is going to see that. He's going to hire me to drive his new yacht. I read it cost him $500 million for that boat. If I had my own yacht, you know, I'd, I'd let me captain it. 
It seems like as soon as the wealthy become mega wealthy, they drift out into international waters and gigantic vessels that keep them as far away from the water as possible while still technically participating in a water sport. Me, Gates, Cuban, Geffen, none of us could resist the siren song of the treacherous seas. While Bezos's recent boat purchase made headlines for its astonishing price tag, it still doesn't crack the top five most expensive yachts of all time. So today's trivia question is, how much was the most expensive yacht ever built to date? I'll be back right after I practice tying different nautical knots with Joe's shoelaces. Oh, come on, man. Get out from under there. We've got more good news for you, Miranda. You get to guess last because you're in last place. But uh, Mr. Penzo in the unenviable position now of going first again. Yeah, I was doing so good playing last. Um, So Bezos yacht $500 million does not put him in the top five. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Um, My gosh, I can't. (laughs) I can't imagine. 500 million is not in the top five. Well, it's a starting spot. You can't live on it. You didn't say where it ranked, did you? So we it's did not, like, not. You're not going to say it's ranked seventh or it's ranked. Look, we already gave help. you the basement of your guests. So we, this is the best clue we've ever handed out. All right. To set an anchor for guessing. Boy, oh See what boy. I did there. So is Bezos a cheapskate or is he, you know, he just didn't quite make the top five. He's not a cheapskate. I would... I have it on good news. He had that $500 million yacht sent to him second day air delivery. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I he really also, don't. He also lent one click ordered it. <laughs> Gosh, 500 million, 500 million, right? That sounds like a lot. I, I, I don't know. I'll just go nuts. 50 billion. 50 billion with a B dollars. Paula, what are you going to do with that number? Wow. Uh, that's a really big number. I'm going to go one billion. One billion with a B dollar. So, Miranda, you got a lot of room there between fifty billion and one billion. <laughs> <laughs> so, is this a thing where it's like you got to be right without going closest no, without going over? Like, what, what are we just, doing here? Just what closest. Here? Just uh, closest. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to say five point three billion. billion. So getting a little bit of the upside off of Paula, but um, interesting. 50 billion, 1 billion, 5.3 billion. All right. Let's see who's the winner. We'll figure that out in just a second, but we don't play that way. We'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? You want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience 
My good friend Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join, open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st. So get on it stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open, maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit navyfederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things they offer 24 seven help for their us based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to Navy federal org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy and Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. All right, Len, you kicked this off with $50 billion. Apparently, Paula Miranda thought that might be a smidge high because they're significantly less than that. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I kind of went overboard because, I mean, what's the richest guy in the world worth? Is he only worth, a you know, I don't know, $100 billion or something? Would, he, would somebody spend half their half their net worth well, he, on that. I don't know. Maybe. I think I'm, I think I'm, maybe I think I'm, I think I overdid it. Richest yacht in the world. They're probably doing it on five easy payments. <laughs> I mean, the richest man in the world did spend $44 billion on Twitter. Oh, that you know what? That is true. That is true. So we're, so close. maybe they're richer than that. Paula, you're, you're at a billion. Miranda gave you was nice and gave you a little room by going yeah. up to 5.3. Feeling good? I'm feeling good. That basically gives me what, uh, two and a half, 2.6, 2.7 and down. So yeah. Zero I, I a, to 2.7. Yeah, I have a pretty yeah. wide range. But then Miranda, you also have a wide range between 2.7 and roughly <laughs> what, 22, 20, 21 billion? Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> You feeling good? Miranda? Hello? I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling okay. <laughs> so, okay. So let's be real here. Tonight, I'm going to go and I'm going to run a trivia show. I'm currently the regional champ for trivia in my area. And so when I fail miserably at this, it's just going to be sad. So, well, but this trivia is different. I mean, this is not trivia. This You're going to want to uh, rethink that statement, Miranda, after I give out the answer. Uh, I get paid to do this now. <laughs> Staking her identity <laughs> on trivia. Let's find out if Miranda still is a trivia person, or in this case, maybe a trivial person. Who knows? Hey there, stackers. I'm multi-thousandaire and soon-to-be yacht captain, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Although Jeff Bezos spent half a billion dollars on his new water toy, he's still behind in the race to own the most expensive yacht. Legend has it the priciest one ever built was a mega yacht named History Supreme that cost nearly $5 billion. Every detail of the vessel was more outlandish than the last, from the 220,000 pounds of solid gold used in the build, to the liquor bottle adorned with an 18-karat diamond, to an ornamental sculpture carved out of actual T-Rex bones. 
Alas, the history supreme is something of a white whale to boat enthusiasts as no evidence of the yacht's existence has ever been found. While it's unlikely that I'll get a chance to drive that boat, there's still several more mega yachts out there that I'd like to take for a spin. Remember, today's trivia question was, how much was the most expensive yacht ever built to date? Well, owned by Russian oligarch Roman Abramovich, the 553-foot Eclipse is the most expensive of his yachts, while the second longest yacht in his fleet, the 458-foot Solaris, is the second most expensive yacht ever, coming in at $600 million. Wait a minute, two, whoa, hold on. He's got, he's got two yachts. No, no, Joe, he's got 16 yachts. Roman Abramovich has 16 yachts. As you do. And you know you can water ski behind all of them. I know that's your favorite question. <laughs> yes. How many yachts he, can you water ski behind? What does he think he is? A Penzo with all those yachts? <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Holy cow. I get seasick. That sucks. How'd you find that out, by the way, Len? Did you go out on one? Well, it wasn't a yacht, but I've been on boats. <laughs> yeah. Friends of friends of ours took my parents out, took all of us out on Lake Michigan one time. And my mom absolutely loved the boat. She was in love with it. We pull out, we get just beyond the pier on Lake Michigan, not even on the uh, ocean. And all of a sudden that thing's gone up and down. My mom turns green and goes to the side immediately. And nobody was more brokenhearted than her. Sounds like you're nodding your head, Len. You know, I was on Lake Michigan uh, this past summer was this it was last october and had a great time no lake michigan i'm okay but ocean water yeah no can't do it hey grandpa joe this is not your story time (laughs) (laughs) right so roman obramovich owns the number one and number two most expensive yachts he sure does and the second most expensive was what you said six hundred million dollars the 458 foot solaris is the second most expensive yacht ever coming in at six hundred million dollars more importantly, I think what we so all want to know So let's just say is- I'm, I'm already out of the running. That's what you're already saying. <laughs> well, it sounds like I am too. It sounds like it didn't even crack a billion. What, what are we even doing here? If we can't get an expensive yacht to The length of a yacht million. measured in seconds is how long it's going to take Doug to finish this answer. Can I have a sound of this podcast exploding? I need, I need that. Okay. So how much did Abramovich's largest yacht cost? $700 million. That means Paula is our winner. She was over by just $300 million. Unbelievable. <laughs> How does this keep happening? What is going on? I think we should on? take the um, the T-Rex bone yacht answer. I think I at least deserve like, I at least deserve a point for that. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, you were actually <laughs> give, on Give OG that. a point for that. Hey, Len. <laughs> yeah. What's the price of gold right now? Spot or futures? Oh Jesus, dude! How much does an ounce of <laughs> how much does an ounce of gold cost? Wow, wow, Len, that was a very Len answer. It's roughly <laughs> roughly nineteen fifty. Nineteen, almost two thousand dollars. Nineteen fifty, almost two thousand an ounce. Yeah. Okay, and that was reported to have two hundred and twenty thousand pounds of solid gold. What? So, so two, that's the fake the fake yacht that doesn't oh, exist. The oh, history is supreme. Oh. So if it's two thousand dollars times 16 ounces, that's $32,000 a pound times 220,000 pounds of gold. That alone, just the the gold that doesn't exist in that yacht that doesn't exist was $7 billion. Wow. That's a lot. All I know is that uh, Lisa, our writer said, that's not the important question. What was the important question Lisa asked, Doug? Yeah. What she tried to slip in and get me to say was she wants to know is Roman Abramovich single. (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I want to know. I mean, but do you want to deal with that? I mean, didn't they confiscate some of his yachts? I think like, they did, yeah. Just a couple, yeah. Aren't they in the process of taking his stuff away because that whole Russian oligarch yes. situation? We'll do politics on the next podcast, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, if you're going to do that, you got to have me back. Oh, boy. <laughs> Here come those bad reviews. <laughs> Let's go to the second half of this show. The second half is brought to you by DepositAccounts.com. Do you know what happens, Brandon, when you go to DepositAccounts.com? Uh, you can read some of my old writing from way back in the day. Did you really write for Deposit Accounts? <laughs> Before they were bought, yeah. That's awesome. You compared more than 275,000 deposit rates, over 11,000 banks and credit unions, all for free. You see them head-to-head. National average, and once again, you're going to want to go to depositaccounts.com because this changes every day, but the national average of savings account rates, 0.45%. But if you give one that's in the top 1%, 4.75% APY. Get this, CDs, top 1% average on a CD for a one, did I say for a one year? 5.65% APY, national average, 384 Big difference. Make sure your money's doing what it can. Go to depositaccounts.com. All right, let's move into the second half, Len. You talked about another thing that was on this list, and that is uh, work-life balance. Having your work not take over your life, a big thing that helps people feel rich. Yeah, you know, there's nothing more stifling than like you're trying to get up the corporate ladder. You know, you have to put in the time and they expect more of you. And I, I mean, I can remember when I was younger, I was really trying to shoot up the ladder. And so I was taking on all kinds of work extra. And I'll remember there were times we went on vacation and I was working. You can, you can ask the honeybee. I'm in the hotel working while she's out because I had taken on, you know, I'm trying to get up that corporate ladder. And it took me a while. It took me until I was uh, in my mid forties. I said, you know what, this is, you know, my kids were getting older. I was like, this is BS. And I just, I said, that's it. I'm done. I don't plan on going any higher in this company. I'm going to work. I'm going to do what I'm expected of doing, maybe a little more within my time. And that's it. And I was so much happier. Life was became so much more enjoyable. Did that stall your career though? I mean, or, or could you have continued moving up the ladder if you wanted to and still said, I'm not playing this game? I could not have moved up any higher at the rate I was, you know, after I made the, the decision to go. But I guess my question is, I think you know what my question is though, which is, can somebody who's a stacker listen to this, tell the boss, I'm not playing that game and still expect to move up the ladder? Uh, of course you can. Of course you can. You, you can always, you know, it's just a matter of what you want to take on. Now, you know, in, in most corporations, you know, th- there's the, the worker bees and then there's this executive rung, right? I'm telling you, if you go, if you're trying for that executive rung, it's like being in the military. You owe the company your life. You're actually giving your company your life. They're giving you a lot but let me tell you, you, you don't get a chance to enjoy what they're giving you because you're on call 24 hours a day. And it's, it's, you have to ask yourself, is, are you really worth it, worth doing that? You can still move up in the non-executive ranks and get great, great pay and great benefits and just not have to sacrifice your life 24 hours a day to the company. So you have to think about that. Did you write about this recently, Miranda? I think you did about, uh, you had a quote, very important meeting. I think you put in like all caps <laughs> and your friends were partying with the gin blossoms band at the time and you didn't get to go. Was that you? That was me. Can you tell <laughs> that story? Because that's I think why this I is... went to see the goo goo dolls, <laughs> <laughs> but I think this is work-life balance, right? Kind of. Yeah. So it's a little bit different for me because it wasn't a corporate thing. One of my issues is that I take on way too much volunteer work. I take on way too much nonprofit and volunteer work. 
So this is going to sound bad. Currently, I sit on three nonprofit boards in my town, and I'm the head of our lo- one of our local political parties. But back in that time, I was doing way more. And so I thought I needed to be at this meeting because I was the chair and and I was just like, duty, 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 duty. And duty sounds like another kind of duty. And it really is. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to try and cram this meeting in. I'm going to try and I'm going to go to this meeting. I'm going to, it's very important. There's a very important presentation being made at this meeting and I should be there And I had tickets to the Gin Blossoms and my then boyfriend was like, you know, running Snapchats. He's hanging with the band. The drummer's like, skip your meeting and come to the concert. Come hang out. Wait a minute. The the drummer for the Gin Blossoms is telling you to come and hang out. Yes. (laughs) Wow. And I was just like, but it's my duty. It is my responsibility to do this very important thing. And, you know, afterward, after I'd missed the concert and only made it for the encore and I sat staring into a big glass of wine. And luckily I know the bartenders in Idaho Falls, so they could tell I was not happy. And so they gave me a double pour of the wine. I could stare, (laughs) I could stare, stare down into my glass of red wine and contemplate my life choices. How did I get here? Why am I here? And do I want to be here anymore? Do I want to be in a position where like, because the Gin Blossoms was like, their CD was one of the first CDs that I bought with my own money. This, you know, band of my youth, <laughs> really wanted to see them. And so I was looking at it, I was like, could I have missed this meeting? Yes. You know, kind of what Len is talking about, right? Like, do I have to do all of these things? Do I really need to do all of these things to be successful? And I think too, we kind of get bogged down in the shoulds, what we should be doing, the shoulds. And I grew up in a very traditional area. I grew up in a very high demand religion. And so my life has been made up of shoulds. And you should do this. You should do this. This is the path. This is the path. And that night, staring into my wine, I was like, this is not the path I want. And I said, you know, when I have the opportunity to do something memorable, I'm going to seize that opportunity. And I'm going to arrange my life and start saying no to some things because I want to be able to say yes to the things that matter the most. And to this day, I am still the chair of this political organization. But you know what? If I need to miss a meeting to do something, I will miss a meeting to do something. And old me would not have gone to the Goo Goo Dolls concert last week. Old me would have been like, I've got too much going on. I should be preparing for this event that we're doing tomorrow. But I was like, you know what? No. The Goo Goo Dolls is another one of those first CDs I bought with my own money. And they, (laughs) who knows? So, But I think that's part of that is, is saying, what things am I taking up in my life that I feel like I, I'm supposed to do, the supposed tos, the shoulds, how am I over committing to those things? And how is that destroying my ability to relax a little, to enjoy good experiences? hundred percent. Yeah. No, absolutely. And it's funny when you say that you're part of a high demand religious stuff and you say, this is the path, this is the path. It makes me think of the, the Mandalorian. Were you Mandalorian? This is the way. Anybody watch Mandalorian? (laughs) This is the way, Miranda. This is is the way. way. This is the way. (laughs) Uh, So Paula, if an afford anything follower is in this, one of these toxic relationships with work where they're demanding all your time, you know, clearly people listening are like, I got to start to unravel that. How do you begin to, to get out of that? How do you begin to put this back together in a healthier way? So there is a famous quote from uh, the actor, Steve Martin, who says, be so good they can't ignore you. And my uh, twist on that to answer your question is be so good that they can't give you grief when you set your limits and set your boundaries and bow out, right? If your output and your skill level 
at what you do is focused and on point and sharp, your company can't afford to lose you. In fact, they need you on in high levels on big projects. And your value to them doesn't come from the hours that you put in. It comes from the output of those hours. It's quality over quantity. So I think that's the approach. Well, and it's funny, Paula, that's the way that I look at it. That's the way OG looks at it. We were having a recent uh, discussion on the show, though, with Doug about working from home versus working in the office. And people in our people in our stacker community accused OG and I of having a small company attitude because what we think works well in a small company because I've worked a lot in a small company. But Len, Len, you worked in a big company. I'm thinking about back to my time at American Express, you know, be so good that you won't get ostracized or won't get told that you have to do stuff. When I was with American Express, we had a bunch of middle managers who truly didn't see the end result. And even if I was really good, their whole goal was not to get ahead for the client or the customer like Paula would or like I would in a small business. It was just to keep their finger on Joe. And I'm pointing at the like camera uh, while I do that. But, but Len, you must have encountered some of those people working for a big company. Yeah, there are those. That's why I said you, you've got to look out for number one, right? So <laughs> you've got to document everything you do. You've got to document your value to the company. And when you do that and you're confident in what you're providing value to the company or your employer, it doesn't matter what the, it really doesn't. It doesn't matter what the middle manager, this middle manager guy might say to you. Do as much as you can do as best you can in the time you're willing to do it. And if it's going to take you, I mean, this is assuming you've, you've made the decision that, hey, you're going to put you first. Your time is more important. Make sure you do what you're supposed to do and make sure you do it and the deadlines that you're given. If you're given a deadline, you really don't have a choice. I mean, you've got to meet the deadline. You, your employer is paying you to do things. So, I mean, you can always push back and say, I need more time. But the key is to make sure that you're doing what's expected of you and document what you're doing. And then nobody, no matter what somebody else says or they try to keep their finger on you, it doesn't matter. You can actually ignore that middle manager as long as you're doing, getting done what you need to get done. Boy, that still feels like it carries some risk in a big company. <laughs> it really doesn't, Joe. If you you got to doc, I'm not. When I say document, I mean document it. I mean you write down, you show you, what, how you provided results. And there's, believe me, nobody's going to argue with you. I've I've always said the most important person to impress in a company. It's not your boss. It's your boss's boss. They're the ones. If you're doing the work, they're going to find out. If you're if you're providing value to the company, they're going to know. And uh, it doesn't matter if the another manager's you know trying to keep his finger on you. Last on this list is uh, not comparing yourself to others, uh, Paula. This is so difficult, so difficult. I find right. I do this far too often, and when I don't do it, I'm with this piece. I feel so wealthy when I don't compare myself to other people, and yet mm. I continually put myself back in that spot. How do you start getting around that? Mm. I think uh, one of the ways to get around that is to to compare yourself to a previous version of yourself and just mark all of the milestones, the progress, how far you've come. And it's not its not going to be a, a straight trajectory, right? There's going to be some, you know, one step forward, two steps back. But comparing yourself of the self of today to the self of five years ago, to the self of 10 years ago, to the self of 15 years ago, I think that, you know, personal best is how you avoid comparing yourself to others. Yeah, Miranda, how do you do it? Kind of the same way. But also, I think part of it too is just I've managed to get in a situation where I just enjoy my life. And so I don't want to live somebody else's life. 
Um, <laughs> I like wine. Uh, I mean, I still sometimes look at some but things and say, but that's interesting, Miranda, hold on a second. So, so yours is that Apollo, you're kind of looking in the rear view mirror saying, look at the progress I've made and I need to celebrate that Miranda. It's like, you're looking out front going, I don't want to follow that person's path. Like you're looking at the goals. Like, I feel like you and Paul are on the same continuum. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, basically, yeah, I'm looking at things and going like, well, what do I want to do? You know, and people are constantly, so I get this a lot that I like to use this as an example. And we have the, the rent versus buy big debate here in the personal finance world. And, oh, uh, and, and I know you're all real estate people. I know you all buy, <laughs> which is fine. And I don't see, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but people are constantly asking me, well, why haven't you bought a house? Why don't you buy a house? Well, one, I have owned a house before I've done the thing. I did not enjoy the thing. I like living in my little apartment with my little balcony, with the little plants that I can water and being able to not have to worry about what is going on while I'm traveling. I don't have to worry about maintenance. I don't have to worry about repairs. I don't have to worry about any of that. And my rent's on automatic. And I just, I just don't have to worry about any of that when I'm gone. And so I think for me, it's less about saying like comparing to other people, but saying like, okay, I like my life and it works for me. Whatever you're doing with your life, if it's working for you, that's great. And there's no reason to have comparison because there, one is not better than the other. You're after different things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Len, how about for you? How do you avoid comparing yourself with other people? Well, I, I just do that by not comparing myself to others. That's, I just, I just don't, I just don't do it. I never have. I've never been impressed. I guess it helps if you're not impressed by displays of wealth or supposed displays of wealth. And I've, I've been one of those people. I don't give a crap what kind of car you're driving. I don't give a crap what kind of house you live in. You know, it, it doesn't influence me in the slightest. And I make no, I, I don't judge people based on that. I don't say, Oh, well, you're obviously rich or you're obviously poor. You know, there was a survey that um, on WalletHub I just saw the other day. They it was on on the news. Apple's got the new smartphone coming out the uh, the 15, I think it is. And one of the in the survey, 16 percent of the respondents said that they felt if you didn't have the latest iPhone that you were in some sort of financial distress. Which to me is just it's oh my mind goodness. boggling. It's mind boggling that so, I see somebody with a flip phone. And I'm like, you're a badass. Well, they're, I mean, <laughs> on the flip side of that, 33% of the people said if they saw you with the latest phone, they thought you were being wasteful with your money. Oh, but 16%, there was 16%, which what, what is that? One in seven or something like that. I don't know. One in one in seven, one in six people think yeah. that you're in financial distress. If you don't have the latest uh, smartphone. So it's just, I don't make those kind of judgments one way or the other. So it's, it's real easy not to be influenced by others. Yeah, I've got a, I got a statistic I just saw, which was like 28% of people under 30 post stuff to Instagram to make themselves look richer than they really are. Like 28%. Mm-hmm. That's a big fat number, Len. Mm-hmm. Same, same thing. Yeah. We will link to this on our show notes page at com. I love talking about the feeling of wealth because really, who cares how much money you truly, how much money you have if you don't get the opportunity to live a wealthy life. And I think these are three great ways to get there. Let's find out what's going on where all of you work. Uh, let's start off with Mr. Penzo. We'll have our guest of honor go last. What's going on at LenPenzo.com? I can't even say it. It's so yes, exciting. So LenPenzo.com. <laughs> you know, I go over my journey to my financial freedom journey, my journey to financial freedom. This is a post from probably, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago, but uh, oh, wow. I thought I'd rerun it. And just kind of goes over, you know, what I did to feel financially free. And believe me, it, the answer wasn't 
be rich, you know? So, um, but, but, um, you know, maybe it's apropos for our discussion today. So climb a financial freedom mountain. That's awesome. Paula, what's happening to afford anything? On the Afford Anything podcast, we've got uh, Seth Stevens Davidowitz. He is the author of a book called Don't Trust Your Gut. It's all about using data to make big decisions. So we feature an interview with him on the show, and we recorded the interview live, face-to-face, in the same room at our new uh, video studio. So go to go to YouTube, youtube.com slash afford anything, and watch the interview. Is that fun? You You like that, being in the same room? Yeah, you know, there's a there's a certain energy that you get when it's a live interview. You know, when you can see the person, you see the little micro expression, the shift in the chair. You know, there's yeah. there's a where he's like throwing stuff at you because he yeah, doesn't exactly. like the question. Pie in the face. <laughs> so, do you, so do you have a name for your studio, Paula? What's the name of your studio? No, no, doesn't have a name. Doesn't have. You a need name a clever yet. name. You know, like when you see a movie and there's like the first two minutes of the movie are just the names of the studios. You need one of those fancy <laughs> studio names, right? You know what I'm talking about? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, it's it's in the Cumulus offices, so Cumulus or well, I thought you meant like a pet's name, Len. Like it's Lucy. My studio's yeah. name is Lucy. But you're talking just... about like something like uh, like Paula Pant Studios downtown, yeah. whatever. Yeah, you know, like Roadshow yes. ro- Roadshow Studios or whatever. Yes. Yeah, like stuff like or that. Bad you need, robot. You need a name. Actually, yeah, yeah, bad, bad robot. robot. Like yeah. bad robot. So you, you gotta call it the you know pantsuit. Call it the pantsuit. <laughs> Paula, you need a contest. You need a contest to have your listeners and readers <laughs> name your studio for you. Mm. Name Paula's studio. Let's put that in the Stacking Benjamin's basement. Let's do that. Somebody <laughs> start a poll. What should Paula's studio be called? We're going to help. We'll do the important work here, Paula. Oh, well, thank uh, good you. I- thank <laughs> you. Great, great idea. <laughs> Miranda, thank you so much for hanging out with us again. Yeah. Yeah. So over on the Money Talks News podcast, uh, we have how to raise your credit score without getting ripped off. And so we uh, take a look at these credit repair companies. And we have Michelle Lambright Black on who oh, she's uh, actually, awesome. yeah, she actually owned a credit repair company at one point. She actually is a expert witness in court cases. And so she's on there telling us all about when you can do it yourself versus when you really do need credit repair and the red flags that come from these credit repair companies. So uh, check that out at the Money Talks News and uh, with our Money Talks News podcast. It's so fun. You guys have so much fun. It we is have just, a good time. <laughs> you do, do have a great time. We'll link to Money Talks News. We'll also link to MirandaMarquette.com where you can see all Miranda's writing. And you talk, you're, sounds like you're getting ready to talk even more about people that want to go on this journey of uh, let's have more uh, life wealth. Uh, that's it. MirandaMarquette.com. All right. Hey, Doug. Hey, Joe, we're wrapping up. You want to head out to the back porch and have a cocktail? Let's do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's just move this time whole for the party last. Out there, sitting those sweet. Fold Good idea, Dan. chairs that we've got back there and kick our feet Time up. Time for this last segment of the show. We call it the back porch. Guys, it's your first time on the back porch. Hey, so let me, let me, can I start? Can I start? So Paula brought up the actor, Steve Martin, and a quote, which was, which was, what was that quote, Paula? Be so good they can't ignore you. Yes, yes. You know he's a comedian too. He's a really funny guy. But I have another quote of his that I that uh, I've all, always liked. What's that? I think it was something that says, "I just gave my cat a bath. Now how do I get all this fur off of my tongue?" Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a famous quote of his. Oh, <laughs> Amazing! Amazing! Quality uh, stuff. Quality stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that totally reminds me of jokes that the uh, Emo Phillips, the comedian, 
tells neighbor Doug and I went to see Emo Phillips once in, in Lansing. I won't tell the really bad one, but what I will say is that he's got a joke, Len, much like that, where he's like, I'm driving down the road and I'm swerving all over the place because I'm, you know, I'm trying to change the radio while I'm driving. And just as I get the old one out, <laughs> oh. <laughs> this, yeah. cop, this cop pulls me over. <laughs> You're like, oh man, it's so, so bad. So this is my first time on the back porch, right? What, Welcome uh, to the back porch, Paula. Isn't it nice out here? This is new and fun. Wow. So nice. It's a fantastic porch. Is is it a gazebo porch? Is it an open porch? What kind of tile like does the, it have? The, it's like the open Midwest, like wraparound mm. porch. Oh, I mean, nice. you're sitting on the porch. Like you're you on a swing. It? There's a porch swing. You're sitting right on it. Are there mosquitoes? Because I don't want to be on the back porch if there's mosquitoes. No mosquitoes. No. no. Mosquitoes. no. I feel like no. somebody needs to bring no, me a bourbon. We've got the screens up. <laughs> Wait, what did you say, Miranda? So I feel like someone needs to bring me a bourbon. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want those mimosas you were talking about earlier. Right? Yeah. M- Miranda, earlier when you were saying, when you were talking about creating great memories, I was thinking, I was like, not if you have too many mimosas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm erasing memories. Yeah. <laughs> how, much is a mimosa? Thing. How, how much is a mimosa in New York, Paula, in New York City? I have no idea. Probably a lot. <laughs> Bajillion. I think bottomless mimosas, which are popular here for Sunday brunch, uh, is maybe like 25-ish or so, maybe 30, somewhere in there. I love it. Bottomless mimosa. Doesn't she dance at that bar up on 81st Street? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it true that uh, Roman Abramovich had a choice? He could buy five mimosas or get that yacht. (laughs) Right. One One or the other. We had bottom, uh, Miranda, we had bottomless mimosas at my favorite restaurant in Texarkana called Verona. And, uh, it was funny. My friend Bobby and I went a few times with our families and, um, and, and they stopped doing it. And I totally blame the two of us because there's no <laughs> way they won that battle. Like we, I think we single-handedly ended uh, bottomless mimosas. How, how much were those? How much did that cost? I don't remember. I, I mean, it was, it was pitchers. They would bring an entire pitcher and you'd serve yourself. Like that's how bad it was. But somehow Joe's memory of that event is full. Right? <laughs> yes. I have no recollection, Your Honor. <laughs> right. Hey, one more cool thing before we say goodbye, which is um, I had a friend, you know, we we're talking about travel. And I've always wondered, like, why do some people go on cruises to travel or go to Disney? Like when I tell people I like to go to Disney, they're like, why do you like to go to to someplace that's completely man-made and fake, you know, or be on a boat where you can do all the same stuff you would do on land, but more expensively, <laughs> you know, why, why would you, why would you do that? And then other people go, you know, why would you go to Greece or Turkey or, you know, Ecuador or wherever the heck it is. And this woman who's been a friend of mine for a while, she wrote the best thing on social media. She said, People travel for two different reasons. She she calls some of them explorers and the other ones escapists. Mm. Explorers, when they take a vacation, their goal is to see more of the world. And those people, when they get back, feel very comfortable with the fact that they were away from work, which recharged them, but they were still kind of exhausted, Mm. you know? And then other people who like to go to the beach, like to go on a cruise, like to go, those people are escapists. They go because they just want to, you know, I want to read a book on a beach somewhere or, you know, look at a mountain or whatever it might be. 
And I realized those are two totally different. Like when I get a little judgy about somebody else's travel, I totally am playing that game where I don't mm. even, th- you know, they're traveling for a completely different reason that, that, than I do. That's very insightful. Well, do you find yourself to be more of an explorer, more of an escapist? Paul, I think you're probably an explorer. Definitely an explorer. hundred percent. Yeah. Len is more of an escapist. Yep. Likes to go hang out and chill. Miranda. Miranda. Oh, Miranda's an explorer. I definitely put myself kind of on that explorer side. I look, Let's look at it as a continuum. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, Miranda. That's me. I thought that I'm... I'm kind of on both. Like I like to explore for a few days and then give me a couple of days on a beach. So for me, travel is about, I want to see all the places, do all the things and eat all the food. I want to make sure I'm eating the food. There has to be good food. But I think then for I want me, to have all the Montezumas. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but also like, I kind of see it as, as kind of both because I actually do like cruises, but I like the Viking river cruises. Um, I'm a big fan oh. of Viking. Yeah. And I you think like being a, the youngest person on the ship. Well, that helps. Uh, but, uh, other than my son, but my son is basically a 60-year-old man. So it's this, I'm still the youngest person on this ship. But I like cruises. I kind of look at cruises as like a tasting menu, right? Because yeah. you, especially if you're on a Viking River cruise, because you get a little bit of a cultural presentation yeah. and you try different ports. And I make a list of like places that I really liked and want to go back to explore. Doug, you more of an explorer? Yeah, I'd have to say I'd have to say that when when I'm going places, it's usually pretty active. But you've got very specific places you'll explore, and other places you won't. Like national park, you're out; state park, you're in. Yeah, and I wouldn't even say that about all national parks, but certainly many of the the more famous ones, I'm I'm out just because they're too they're too busy. But for instance, I'm heading to Miranda's part of the world later this winter uh, because. Well, a little bit north of you, Miranda, but I'm headed up to uh, the northern panhandle. I'm going to head up to Kellogg and up to Ponderé to go skiing. Nice. But to highlight explorer versus escapist, I deliberately did not look for a ski resort. Can't stand the thought of a resort where everything is sort of perfectly put together. I want to go to a smaller out-of-the-way mountain and go skiing. Miranda, we're headed to Schweitzer, and I'll go to uh, probably oh, Silver nice. Mountain in, in Kellogg. I avoided like crazy the Vales and the Park Cities. I just want nothing to do with that, which would be the Disney World version of skiing. Want nothing I thought to do you with heard that. the uh, magic words Miranda said, which were uh, bottomless mimosas. Yeah. <laughs> that's why you were headed that if way. If you want to come through, we do have a little place called Kelly Canyon that you can ski. And then there's a nice little hot springs next to it. Ah, all right. Might have to put that on the agenda. That's Doug's way of going. Great. Not doing it. Not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah. Right? Okay. He said he wanted a small out of the way, not put together place. And I'm giving you Kelly Canyon because that is a small out of the way, not put together place, my guy. <laughs> do they really call that the uh, thing on Idaho there, Miranda? Do they call it the panhandle or do they call it the chimney? I mean, it doesn't even look like a panhandle. We actually call it Northern Idaho. <laughs> oh, that's creative. That's wow. what we call Did your whole it? marketing department work on that for a year? <laughs> Amazing. Northern Idaho. Amazing. Now, there are some people who, if they call it the, some people call it the barrel. Now, this is because I would like you to think about Idaho. Now, tip Idaho on its side, and it looks like a firearm. So some people call it the barrel because it's ah, the, the, oh, the barrel. Yes. Tip Idaho on its I side. I can see that. It's fine. Taking a shot at Montana. <laughs> <Take> a <laughs> shot. Exactly. Yes. yes. Exactly. 
Uh, I don't know that I want to go into that anymore, but what I would like to do is see what people in the, see in the basement. Are you more escapist or uh, explorers? I'd love to do that poll as well. Let's do that one on Spotify as well. Okay. All right. Uh, Miranda, Len, Paula, Doug, thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks to all of you for hanging out. Doug, you've got the end of this. Uh, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from Miranda Marquette and start with what you have to work toward earning what you're worth. Second, stop comparing yourself to others. Instead, take some advice from Paula and compare yourself to your former self. As long as you're making progress, you'll never stop growing richer. But the big lesson? Pro tip, there's no law against naming a dinghy the yacht, so you can tell people you're spending the weekend on the yacht without spending a bazillion bucks. Thanks to Miranda for joining us today. Learn more about Miranda at her website, mirandamarquit.com. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. Thanks to Len Penzo for joining us today. You can find Len at lenpenzo.com slash riverkiller. Thanks also <laughs> to Paula Pant for hanging out with us today. You'll find her fabulous podcast, Afford Anything, wherever you listen to finer podcasts. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Saul High. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lisa Curry, who's also the host of the Long Story Long podcast, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Wonder how beautiful we all are? Of course, you'll never know if you don't check out our YouTube version of this show, engineered by Tina Eichenberg. Then you'll see once and for all that I'm the best thing going for this podcast. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Youngkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. Say hello when you see us posting online. To join all The Basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Well, Stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses. 
to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.